founders. Welcome back to the Zero to 5,000 podcast, where we obsess over the convergence of human potential and business results. Today, our hosts, Drew McClure and Jordan Mitchell, have another insightful conversation for you. So let's jump right in. Okay, founders, welcome back to the podcast. Today, we are joined by EJ McCoy. As the CEO of Chorby and Scoop Soldiers, his mission is to revolutionize the home service industry through the power of technology and franchising. He is dedicated to innovating both the client and franchisee experience, thereby adding value to people and his industry. And today, joining us is EJ to tell us how this whole thing got started and where they are today. So thank you for being here, EJ. Thank you for having me, Drew. Appreciate it. It's a pleasure. So we got two businesses here. Yeah. Huh? Yeah. How, how did this get started? How'd you get into this? Well, it's, it's a lot more than two businesses, but yeah, <laughs> for the sake of right now, we'll just say two businesses. Love it. Love it. Have you always been a serial entrepreneur? Did, how did you find your way into this? Yeah. Uh, like most things, and of course, I always joke, I have, a, I have one keynote that I'm kind of, kind of okay at, at giving, uh, and it's called Not the Sharpest Tool. And part of that is <laughs> part of my story is that by no means have I ever really been the first to anything or have I ever really frankly been that special at anything. Uh, so like that, I started out just kind of slowly. I, I, when I was 10 or 12, I wasn't doing anything genius. I was barely making C's and going to, you know, special ed classes for my dyslexia, um, and disappointing my father all the way along the way, at least. So I thought, <laughs> at least so I thought, but, um, so I wasn't ever fast anything, but it, it started early. I always had an interest in ambition, uh, and financial ambition, frankly. Um, but, uh, yeah. Was that, was that nature or nurture? You think, where'd that come from? I don't know. That's a good question. I love that. Uh, I, I don't know. Uh, I think it came from probably both. Yeah. You know, my dad, I think had a lot of ambition. He's a retired fireman. He worked here in the Dallas Fort Worth area, retired 30 years with a fire department, but he always had other side work going and he could have done way more with it. And Unfortunately, my, my mom passed away when I was young. And so he, he really became a dad outside of being a fireman. So, mm. um, I often, I mean, he and I've talked about that. He, he was definitely ambitious, but, uh, kind of went, life went in a different direction for him. Sure. But a lot of it is ambition, I think. But, and, and to that, I mean, that's, that's where my start got was, I got my start was mowing, mowing lawns. And I never really stopped mowing lawns. We, we mow about between two different brands, Chorby and another brand that I'm really a silent partner in executive lawn care, but, but, uh, a company I bought 10 years ago with my partner at Chorby. And, uh, we spun this company off into a, a kind of a competing mowing business to Chorby. Huh. Uh, that was part of just a really bad being an ADD entrepreneur and things, don't, <laughs> things don't always turn out the way you initially envisioned them. Uh, at the time things were going to go in a totally different direction than what Chorby became. Yeah. So anyway, I ended up with this mowing business called executive lawn care that I'm a silent partner in. And so between those two businesses, Chorby and executive lawn care, we now mow about 6,000 lawns a week, uh, here in the Dallas Fort Worth area. Wow. Um, all residential, almost all residential, almost all. Residential. Okay. Let's back up a second. So how does it go from you just doing that probably as a teenager making some extra cash, you know, type of thing to it's now a business that you are running and scaling? Um, well, because I couldn't get good at doing anything else, I, I will humbly joke. But no, I just kept mowing. And, and, and then 
So I'm 24, 26 years old. I'm 39 today by, by for re uh, relevancy. Uh, 24, 25 years old. I just got married, just had my first uh, son or my, my only son, my son and my oldest and brought on a business partner that I've been friends with for years. And I wanted to grow. The goal was to grow. I was mowing yards. I had a couple of trucks. I was making a pretty decent living for a 24 year old, you know, running my business, starting my life. And, um, anyway, he, my business partner really is the one who helped me take it in and scale it. Yeah. And, and be, apologize. I totally lost my train of thought as to what your question was, Drew. No, you're good. Yeah. It's, it's that exactly. Just, it, it went from you running a solo kind of self-employed. Yeah. I grew to my business partner and it just kept growing. I couldn't find something else. I kept saying, I told my wife when we first met, I love business. I don't, I don't love mowing lawns per se. I love business. Uh, yeah. and so, so I, I, I loved business, but what was I good at? And I, it just mm. kept going that I just was good at just growing, growing what I had. I, I always thought I'd do something different in my twenties. Yeah. And then by the time I'm in my thirties, I really kind of started catching a vision for what I actually had, but it took a long time, a lot longer than I think it does a lot of people. Sure. So those twenties was your focus just building Chorby? Yeah, pretty much. What became Chorby? It was Emerald Lawn Care back then. We were just a mowing okay. lawn, lawn care business. It became Chorby in 2019, but th that's exactly right. That was basically my 20s. Now, uh, we, we launched Scoop Soldiers in 2010, my business partner and I, same business partner, same business partner. We launched Scoop Soldiers in 2010. Which is what? What does that focus on? Scoop Soldiers is pet waste removal, dog poop. Ah. We clean up poop. As I made the comment earlier, the pet waste millionaire. That's the brand <laughs> that I'm building. That's what I'm working to spend. I'm really planning to spend my my time on because if I can build a brand, the pet waste millionaire, tell the story of the American dream, tell the story of entrepreneurship. I mean, what better way to prove that the American dream still exists than what I would perceive? I'm fairly average. Uh, I'm unique in some ways. I've got gifts in some ways, like everybody does. I also suck in so many ways. I'm not that smart. In so many ways. <laughs> And so it's just about having the mindset, but, but using entrepreneurship and, and, and the idea that you can go, you can build a poop scooping business in America. And they were yeah. saying the same thing about the American dream being alive or dead 12 years ago when I started scoop soldiers. And, and so, you know, the pet waste millionaire is a brand that I'm, I'm, I'm working to kind of launch, so to speak, and to, and to give that inspiration. But at the same time to, it's an entrepreneur I'm an entrepreneur. I, I've, I've got lots of businesses and, uh, I, I want to be able to help people in their business, but also grow my businesses at the same time, get yeah. awareness, get awareness out there. So I'm always, I'm always curious about the seed of inspiration when something like that clicks, were you just, were you tired of walking around lawns that you were mowing and stepping into somebody's dog poop? Like where, where did that come from? You know, honestly, it never bothered me doing that. It, it, uh, that would be, it would never bother me doing that. The idea came, my dad was a fireman. I mentioned he had a really good friend. It was real happy go lucky guy. I always had a different idea. Never, never fully executed, but always had good ideas. Uh, and he came over one day and he had, had these, he was going to go, he was going to start a poop scooping business. He was a fellow fireman. So on the side, he was going to start a poop scooping business. And I was in high school at the time and mowing yards. And that's where the seed was planted for me. He never did anything. I don't know that he ever scooped a single yard. Might have had one customer. Wow. He had just had the shirts made. But my, my dad was making fun of him. He thought it was hilarious. You know, you're going to make money scooping dog poop. So that was 10 years before I started the business. Mm. 
And, uh, but, but from there, the reason I started it like in 2010, what, what, what was that, uh, instigator at that point was I had bought my first house, not far from where I live now here in North, North of Dallas and a competing pet waste business, a big national franchise. They had some trucks that they were storing right at the shopping center next to the house I bought. And I thought, you know, I can do that. That that's, if I can mow yards, this, this can be done and, and I can even, I can kind of tack it on to, and, and so that's where it was born was seeing, frankly, seeing competition and saying, I think I can do that. Yeah. I just noticed if you're listening, I just noticed behind EJ is a red dog bone that says we scoop poop. Yes. <laughs> we scoop poop. We got to get it. the awareness out there for that right there. By the way, before I just spoke to you, have you ever had, cause, cause you didn't know I was in the poop pet waste business, removal no. business. That's our biggest business, by the way. Really? Chorby's what I started. Yes. Chorby's what I started. But Scoop Soldiers is double the revenues of, of Chorby system wide. It's franchised almost a hundred franchises nationally. It's in it's 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 in cities coast to coast. We're not in California, but we're in Seattle, Portland. We're all the way into Florida, North Carolina. Um, wow. So it's the biggest, and 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 that's a testament to Scoop Soldiers does one or two services. That's it. It's focused on one or two services. Okay. It's not as ADD as me. Yeah. <laughs> Chorby speaks to more of my ADD. It's an entrepreneur's dream. Chorby is in the future, every home service business you can imagine. If there's a service truck, if it's a, if it's a vehicle that with four wheels that drives up to somebody's house, that's Chorby in the future. It's not yet, wow. but it's in the future. Um, so it's a, it's, it's, it's bit off a lot and it's got a lot of a big foundation to lay where scoop soldiers is just focused, laser focused, simple, simple service, uh, the biggest challenge with scoop soldiers is, is awareness. So many people don't know. That's my question. Did, had you ever heard of this industry before I just mentioned it? No. Oh yeah. How does it work? Like, so I got a dog, I got, I got poop in my backyard. Like how does the actual service work? Just like your mowing service. You have a lawn. Yep. Do you mow it or does somebody else mow it? I mow it. You mow it, but you yeah. could hire somebody, right? You could just go to, you know, you could just go to Google and search yep. mowing service near me or mowing services, sign somebody up. Same exact concept. Hmm. 80% of our business or so is weekly service. The other 20% is split up from twice a week, three times a week, all the way to even every two weeks, which is much less. And, uh, but we just come in the backyard, clean it up, leave, it cost about 20 bucks, depending on the market you're in. Seattle's a little more, about $25. So a few other markets are $23, $24. And how, how well are those franchise owners doing? Are they finding it taken off in their city? Absolutely. So we have a unique system in our expansion. A lot of our franchisees, some of our franchisees launched from no clients. And uh, whether it's Tucson here recently, we launched in October. They're doing fantastic um, getting out there. And it's just getting awareness out there that the, your brand exists and that the service exists and getting that awareness. And they've done a fantastic job. We've got Southwest Florida, Fort Myers area that launched around that same time and multiple others. These launched from zero clients mm. and, and are building their business using our brand. We, we provide the command center, so to speak, for them that when you call, you're getting our, us at the, as the franchisor. So we're providing an enormous amount of sor- uh, support. Shared there. Services. We're, also, we're also, exactly. We're also plugging in, um, we're plugging in the marketing. 
So we're doing a lot of, we're doing digital marketing campaigns uh, on your behalf and with you uh, and taking our experience and our brand and just plugging it into your marketplace. Wow. Same concept Chorby will eventually be. Uh, it, it, it's really the same concept Chorby will be someday, but, but Scoop Soldiers right now is doing, is, has done that. But what we really did that's, that was unique to answer your question as to how well are they doing or are they doing well is we, we built the businesses corporately. We went into Las Vegas and we went into Phoenix, my business partner and I, you know, we, heck we, uh, for Phoenix, we even drove the truck out there ourselves and scooped the first two homes and did the same thing in Oklahoma city and Tulsa and Austin. My business partner put 20,000 miles on a truck in six months when we went to Austin and Houston, because it was literally just, we just started scooping. We'd scoop, we'd drive, to, we'd drive from Dallas to Austin to scoop one yard for 15 bucks and drive back. And people thought we were nuts, Wow! but it was, it was a seed planted that gradually grew over five, six, seven, eight years. And so five, six, seven years after we launched Austin, for example, we were franchising and we started franchising the markets that we were already in and producing revenue. And we were able to, uh, engineer and architect, a, a, a plan to get to help get team members that that were managing 70 trucks into their own franchise for mm. us and make it to where the economics worked for them it was mutually beneficial and so we have about about a third to maybe half of our franchisees are our former employees but then the other half came in uh they came in through outside sources through sales we had a sales guy who who helped us find find people and and they bought into existing cash flow. They bought our clients. They but they but they stayed under our our, our Scoop Soldiers brand. Was there a moment where it went from this is fine, you know, like we're growing, we get we're, we're maybe a little profitable to we just figured something out and now we're off to the races. Did that was there a There's, moment like that or was it just kind of steady? Those moments are usually also uh, right alongside, oh, but, <laughs> you know, it's always, it, entrepreneurship is always a challenge. It's always yeah. a fight. And then there's always a next one. Uh, but yes, for example, we started doing this years ago, years ago, but it wasn't until this last October, well, September, we had our first franchise conference. We had 10 of our 15 franchisees. Uh, we had 10 or 15 franchisees, 10 to 15 franchisees. We had about just under 50 territories. Uh, operating, but we had 60 territories operating corporately mm. that we had started. We hadn't, that we hadn't awarded to current, a new or existing franchisee yet. So we had this conference in September and my eyes were opened up at that conference. We had been kind of laying some groundwork for this, but from that conference in September to the end of the year, we were able to award 46 of our 60 corporate owned territories across the country to these existing franchisees and huh. give them massive expansion opportunity, especially for the long-term growth of scoop soldiers. As we, you know, some of these markets are brand new. We've only been in them a year, but get them in those markets to where they're doing what they do and operating these in each, each market and allow us to focus on the brand and the mission of going out and talking about the pet waste industry and getting awareness out there that it's, you know, that, that it's a service that, that, that we provide this service, you know, and we're, I mentioned uh, earlier how I got into the business. Uh, we're now a major competitor. You know, we're in the top three or four. I, I got in, there was this competitor that was a, a national brand franchise, or uh, I got in, I was inspired by getting in, getting in because they had these trucks sitting around the corner from, from where I lived. 
And fast forward that 12 years later from where we're at now, they had been in business about 10 years at that time. Okay. Fast forward, we're a direct competitor side. You know, there's, there's only about three or four leading pet waste businesses in the country. Uh, and by different measures, we're one, two, three, or four. Wow. Uh, with, with that brand and various other brands. So it's a big business I, I should, is, is my point. Yeah. Um, it's a much bigger business than people realize. Uh, but we got to get awareness out there. There's not enough dog owners to know the industry exists. Yeah. Well, first off, does the show Dirty Jobs still exist? Because that would be no a, doubt. That would be a perfect thing for you guys to get on. No doubt. No doubt. And and, and, and you're right. No doubt. But at the same time, one it, it is a misnomer in some ways. Hmm. It's not that dirty of a job. Right. I always I always joke that if I was starting over. I didn't like mowing lawns, as I mentioned earlier. It's just what I knew how to do to make the most amount of money for the time that I was spending to work. That's that's how I stayed mowing yards because it's like I can get $25 a mow here in suburban Dallas, 25 bucks a mow. It takes me an hour less. That includes maybe some drive time. I couldn't make that when I was 18, 19 years old in 2006. Yeah. It's always been a time for money thing for me. But the the barrier the 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 barrier to entry is very low is my point yeah for both types mowing or scoop soldiers and and, or, and pet waste removal well I'm curious about this because you have two you had two different kind of entrances into into different markets your your lawn care one is entering into one that has plenty of competition you know like yeah. it's not a new concept everybody knows about lawn care everybody's probably got a lawn care person and you had to break into that. The other yep. one, yes, you had competitors, but I'm sitting here as, as many people going, I didn't even know this service existed. So it's much more of a blue ocean, you know, yep. um, what was the difference? That's what's fun about a huge difference. But one of them, I, 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 I was rewarded with the blessing of being in a place that was constantly growing ever since I was a kid growing up here in Collin County. We're one of the fastest growing. We've doubled in size in 20 years since I was an adult. Huh. Uh, so I've been, I've been awarded to, you know, answer your phone. <laughs> in home services, answer your phone and address your pro the problems that your clients have and solve those problems. And you're going to grow, mm. run your business properly, handle your finances, learn how to deal with people. I had to learn how to deal with people mostly. Um, but, but you, you're going to grow naturally. And then you're correct on the scoop soldiers one on pet waste. We've ridden a wave. We wrote an SEO wave, search engine optimization. There were enough, there was enough demand in the last 10, 12 years and we were able to dominate through SEO and people were searching pet waste removal service because there was enough people to know of the service. It's been around since the 80s. Yeah. We weren't new to it necessarily. Um, it's been around since the 80s. It's just a very slow growing industry. Awareness is, is low. Yeah. And it really wasn't until the last year or two that we really started recognizing and talking about the awareness issue that, you know, you are in an emerging industry you need more awareness, not just for your brand, but for the entire industry. So many people don't even know you exist. Yeah. It's very, it is very different than mowing. Yeah. So is the strategy different? I, it's got, I'm sure it's got to be. Like, Or do you not even yes. think about it? You just start doing your thing. It hasn't been enough. It is It is moving forward. Pet Waste Millionaire brand, as I mentioned, that's that's good. That's our that's our real push, our, our, our real dive into the idea of PR. Let's get awareness out about this brand. And of course, also looking even beyond that and saying, let's get awareness out for future pet brands that we may build and Chorby. So let's do it bigger than just Scoop Soldiers brand. Let's do Pet Waste Millionaire right alongside Scoop Soldiers. Yeah. 
But get awareness out there. Historically, we haven't. Historically, it was very similar. Get, a, get local awareness through Google and just SEO and paid search, some social media. But we've, we've somewhat been spoiled at just being at the right place at the right time. Uh, you know, you got to work a lot harder, or at least I'm experiencing that you got to work a lot harder in 2024 to get your clients and to grow. Yeah. And that's, that's forced us into really focusing more on the awareness side of things for, for the pet waste industry. You know, what I'm curious about is the high, you know, the high percentage of people that start any business fail. So you've already surpassed that. And then the next people, those that succeed are often so stressed out of their mind and yeah, it's working, but I don't love it. They're not dreaming about the next thing. So you're past that. Why do you think you kind have of, only kind of past that? <laughs> it sure seems like it. You, 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 you got big plans for Chorby. You got growing pan, plans, not just for scoops, uh, you know, the scoop service, but also the pet industry as a whole. Scoop, scoop soldiers, scoop, scoop soldiers. soldiers. I'm wearing a, a Valor service dogs hat. Usually I'd be wearing scoop soldiers today. Usually I'd be wearing scoop soldiers. Valor service dogs is one of the, uh, uh, cha- uh, uh Charities, nonprofits that we give through Scoop Soldiers too. Yeah, should have worn my Scoop Soldiers hat today. So, what have you done right? I'm sure. Again, we've done plenty of things wrong. Every business owner does. What have you done right that's got you into the, that category of not just successful, but also I don't hate my life. I don't hate my business. I'm not dying of stress. Well, I mentioned my keynote earlier. Not the sharpest tool. Uh, one of the things I talk about in there is balance. Um, I do work quite a bit. And I, I spend an enormous amount of brain power on my businesses. Uh, uh, but at the same time I have fun too. Yeah. And I, and I, t- and I make sure to be present in my kids' lives, not ever enough, but I make sure to be present. Um, I'm home every night. I'm in bed every night at a decent hour. I get sleep. I, I, I like to sleep. Yeah. Uh, I'm not so good at the other two big health, you know, uh, working out and uh, diet. I'm not so good at that, but I sleep well. So finding that balance, I yeah. think, has made made a difference. My faith has made a difference. I'm a Christian, and um, and so my faith has made a huge difference. Yeah. Uh, and just recognizing that there's definitely things bigger than myself that I don't understand, uh, at the very least. Yeah. Uh, and so all of that, but also, I mean, I keep it fun. I I I believe in delegation, and so it wasn't always fun. It wasn't always, I wasn't always motivated and I didn't always feel like I had a vision uh, for a long time. It was just a dang, I, I, I just owned a job, mm. um, but that's where my ambition came in. It was also never good enough. So I just kept wanting to grow, 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 grow. I never got to a point where I was like, okay, the problem is, is that I'm just, I've gotten too big. Let's go backwards. To me, it was like every problem that I had, everything I was unhappy with in my business, the solution is always the same grow. You don't like doing this grow so you can get somebody else to do this. You don't, you're not, you're usually not good at the things you don't like doing anyway. Yeah. Uh, but I've also another one is delegation. I've been good at delegating. Yeah. Um, I, I have no problem giving the responsibility to somebody else and then telling them when they're failing <laughs> rather yeah. than just doing it myself, rather than just doing it myself. That's probably saying it too bluntly. I, I don't say it as bluntly as that. I don't just say you're failing. But you know what I mean? Coaching, yeah, accountability, coaching somebody coaching, else yeah. and holding somebody else accountability accountable rather than doing it myself. That's always come a little more natural to me, especially after I started reading about, well, I'll use the book, the title of a, a key book, How to Win Friends and Influence People. Dale Carnegie. Reading about how to win friends and influence people really had a, a huge impact on 
how I was able to get people to, to work with me. So tell me this, what's the main takeaway that you got from Dale Carnegie's book, How to Win Friends and Influence People? Well, the shortest answer would be, be nice. <laughs> you know, you, you gotta, uh, <clears throat> you've got to approach something from somebody else's point of view. You've got to recognize, you, you, you hope that they're coming from a reasonable standpoint where they've understood and thought from your perspective, you've got to do the same. Yeah. I found that even when they're not, even when they don't have the same, your perspective or haven't thought of that, uh, you can still have a reasonable conversation to even agree to disagree. And so keeping your cool and again, thinking, thinking from their perspective, but still being able to articulate yours. And that's something I struggle with. I mean, even this conversation, somewhat, I get ADD, I'm all over. I, I've always struggled with, with expressing communication or in communicating. And so, but, but even still, I've been able to practice it enough. And that's mm. where I just try to come across as authentic as I possibly can. That way, when I do screw up, well, it's just part of, it's just part of being authentic. Uh, yeah. Or when I see a squirrel in my brain and gets distracted. And so, but even in that, you know, you, you try to be likable, be, be nice, uh, understand from other people's perspective and, uh, but also figure out how to voice your opinion, how to firmly, how to, and that's the hard part, weaving that, how to firmly talk about, especially when there's a disagreement, but mm. it really seemed to have a huge impact in my, in the last six, seven years, I'd say 2016 is when I really, I'd read that book years before and then reread it. 2016 is when there's like something clicked. Uh, and I was able to start to understand more that I needed to figure out how to communicate with people more if I was going to lead a lot, lots of people. Man, I want to stay here for a second because one thing we, we didn't talk about that you don't know before we started recording is my actual business is outside the podcast is I, I'm an executive coach. I do performance coaching for leaders of fast growing companies, right? Yeah. And one of my clients in our coaching call yesterday was calling me from um, a major conference in his industry. So he is the CEO of a major national consulting firm that works primarily with education, okay. with superintendents and school systems and that kind of stuff, right? And they have a big conference where they go out where they would meet a bunch of potential opportunities for new markets and all that kind of stuff. So he brought his team with him. And he, what we were talking about is he was just dumbfounded at how they were not good at networking. And even ahead of time, he was like, yeah, they're asking me, what's the plan? What do we need to do? You know, do we need to get pre-calls with people? And he was like, what? No. He's like, go make friends. And he's like, these are our people. Like, right. go make friends, go be nice, take a genuine interest in people. They'll invite you into the conversation instead of being a vendor who's there trying to sell. He's like, people hate being sold, but they like friends. And he, he was just talking about like, I don't get it. He said, I just sat by the, the, um, I sat by the elevator where people were coming in and every five seconds, another person would see me and be like, Mike, Hey Mike, and come up and what are you doing tonight for dinner? And I said, Hey man, you're trying to teach them something that you've been doing for a decade. So it's the right lesson, but it's also something like the fact that a hundred people are walking in, know your name, want to give you a hug. Like yeah, that actually, that's a gift in itself, frankly. Yeah. I, I haven't got, I haven't ever experienced that much. Uh, maybe, at my, maybe at most of my own conference, but that was only 46 people. <laughs> but that's where, you, that's where your intelligence that you're grabbing onto from Dale Carnegie is starting to gain traction, right. which is like, man, part of business isn't just strategy and marketing. It's also like being a good human and 
being honest and being kind to people yes. and people like doing business that, that, that they're kind with, you know? Exactly. Exactly. Go out and, 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 you know, I'm not naturally, I'm not naturally outgoing. I'm not naturally like that. I, I, in fact, as early as three, four years ago, that was the battle. It's with it. You know, I've just started this. One of the battles I've had with myself the last few years is it's like, gosh, what I, what, what part of me wants to do is just sit here in my office, which is my garage. I call it my garage because it's a garage uh, around me. But I, I just want to sit in my garage and daydream all day. All, you know, I'm a yeah. loner, kind of, always have been. But I also recognize that I'm energized in going out and talk and meeting people like you and, and going out in, re- in, the, in the real world, digital world, what we're doing here, all of it. And I, I can, I love talking business. Like people get yeah. shocked when I tell them I'm actually introverted. Cause they're like, well, hey, you're introverted. Cause same. It's like, yeah, because once you get me talking business and talking about these things, Oh, I, I, I have, uh, when I'm passionate about it, I can talk about it. Start talking to me about the Cowboys and you're only going to get a few things and then I'm going to lose interest. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm the same way, man. I, I, I speak for a living, whether it be podcast or keynotes or whatever. And people are shocked, but I'm like, well, this is my comfort zone. Yeah. This is, this is the thing I like to talk about. So like, it doesn't mean I don't, like talking, but I'll also be like you. I can't wait to go home, watch a show, right. dream for a little bit, whiteboard for a little bit, you know? Um, but a lot of us who have that creative type, who have that introverted kind of energy, sometimes struggle going from dreaming to action yeah. where we'll hide in our dreams without taking the courage to take the action. Have you struggled with that at all? And how did you overcome that? No, I, I pull the trigger too fast, if anything. Uh, Interesting. I, I, and I, and you know, a lot of people do that too. A lot of people pull the trigger. They're doing too many things. They can't get focused. I struggle more on that side. Um, Got it. But I, I've always pulled the trigger fast. Um, I've tried to just using the same tactics that I mentioned with Dale Carnegie. I try to like psychoanalyze myself. You got to be careful in that. And I shouldn't recommend that too much because you got to be careful. Yeah. But I try to uh, understand why am I making this decision What's the purpose? Is there is there long term benefit in this decision? But or 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 at least be self aware when I'm buy, when I'm buying something or doing something because I just want to do it. At least be mm. self aware and kind of own that. Don't don't try to hide. Don't try to hide that. But pull what's the danger? I want to go back to that in a second. What's the danger in, in psychoanalyzing yourself too much? Oh uh, well, the danger in that is you you won't do you won't pull the trigger. Yeah. The danger in that is you won't pull the trigger. Sorry, I thought you were going to say something else and, and say what's your what what's the thing that you that you do that you you know you shouldn't, but you should anyway. I, I'm not saying it. <laughs> I was going to say cars because I I pull the trigger and I like to I like to I'm the I'm the guy who has a different car all the all the time because I just love cars. I should yeah. it's bad. Uh, I psychoanalyze myself every time I get it. Why is it bad? Well, because it's expensive. It's expensive. It's it, it's not a. a it's, it's not a, an appreciating asset. Let's put it this way. If I hadn't spent so much on cars, I could have bought a bunch more real estate. And in Collin County, where I live, uh, that would have been a lot, a lot more money now for me as an entrepreneur to deploy elsewhere. But yeah. I, I have a soft spot for and a love for cars. That but hey, expensive. consider this. Money is not the only game in life. No. Right? So and you it's don't not, know it's how not every decision. Got. You don't know how yeah. much you've got. So you, again, you got to go back to balance. You got to find that balance for yourself. Uh, yes. A lot of people, it is very wise for them to be extremely conservative and save and and uh, wait until 10 years from now or 20 years from now when they've saved for that thing. And that That's good discipline. I highly respect that. Uh, others like me tend to pull the trigger a little faster on things. 
I think that it's different for everybody. Same thing goes circling back. Same thing goes for business. Uh, yeah. Some people, they don't become entrepreneurs till they're in their 40s or 50s uh, because they've never really pulled the trigger. They've just dreamt about it. Uh, others pull the trigger too soon. They're not ready. Yeah. Um, I've been fortunate. I, I'm, I'm fortunate partially also because I'm unemployable. It was either this or <laughs> be not have a job ever because I wasn't very good at having any at working for anybody else. Yes. But mine is, is, uh, I've always been very, very quick to act. It's yeah. I, I did a, a podcast episode on this years ago where I, I was noticing the same thing that there's those of us, the cadence would be ready, aim, fire, right? Yeah. The ready, aim, fire. And it all has a good cadence to it. But a lot of us, like my personality goes ready, aim, 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 like, come on, when are you going to fire? And then there's some like you that are ready, fire, aim, right? It's like fire, ready, aim. Sometimes, (laughs) sometimes it's fire, ready, aim. (laughs) Yes. Yes. So we're all coming from a different side of the spectrum. And, but, but again, man, like there's a thousand ways to be successful. Like you've got one business this diversified when people say you need to niche, you've got one business that's really focused and niched where you yeah. could feel the pressure to diversify and you're finding a way to make both businesses work. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And we've actually got, so I mentioned that we've also got the mowing is also niched over at executive lawn care. There's a niche in that mowing and shrub trimming. That's all we do at executive lawn care. Um, and, and there's, there's a reason for that. It, it, it grows and it tends to be more profitable when it's highly focused. Chorby's really expensive to, to try to grow, so many different businesses simultaneously. Yeah. Uh, that gets expensive really fast, the infrastructure. And so actually that's the other business that I haven't even mentioned is white picket team management. Uh, and white picket team is management consulting and accounting. But really where it started in 2019 is it, it, it cons- it consolidated our businesses, so to speak, all of the HR consolidated to this business. So if HR okay. at Scoop Soldiers, HR at Chorby, HR at any business that I was involved in consolidated to white picket team management, uh, and all of the accounting consolidated at white picket. white picket is basically, again, anything and everything that Chorby or Scoop Soldiers could possibly need it, it, white picket can provide and has provided since 2019. So in the last six months, white picket started going and getting at bookkeeping type clients because we're really good for home services specifically home services and like pet waste removal services, pest, pet businesses, these types of businesses, the things we're already doing. We're wow. offering that service and we've begun offering management consulting. I've got a, a gentleman that's working with me, but actually you, you, he, he was, he was helping me uh, with setting up the podcast here, Ben Gonzalez. So cool. he's, he's building that business uh, as a future partner as a management consulting, accounting, you name it, anything that we can help in the home services industry, professionalize this industry, bring awareness and the mindsets that have, that have helped us grow. That's what white pickets goal is. Cool. Four businesses. Yeah. We started off with, I'm the only CEO of three. (laughs) Okay. Okay. (laughs) That's amazing. I always joke about that, but. Well, listen, I know you're being a little self-deprecating, but I do like the, the example of, Hey, I was a C student, not an A student. I, you know, I I didn't feel particularly talented at any one thing, not the sharpest tool in the box, but you have sharpened a few of those tools. What do you think are one or two of those tools that you do have that you've sharpened over the years that serves you the best in running these businesses? Well, the, the sharp, the gift that I have that I've always had is I'm a dreamer. I dream. Yeah. 
uh, I, I, again, if you're not careful, it, it's not, it's not a gift. It's a, it can be a curse, but I, I live in the future very much. So I can see, and, you know, even as a kid, I can remember daydreaming about things. And then, and then as a young adult, I can remember really believe it, like, like, like feel like almost feeling like what I see for the, I am not, not being sure it can happen, but I had to make it happen. That drive. Mm-hmm but that dreamer is and, and the drive and, and that I'm going to figure it out. Then also the fact that you mentioned I'm self-deprecating uh, the fact that you got to realize and be self-aware of yourself and what you what you suck at and where, yeah. when you're wrong. Another book I, I want to write someday, I said, not the sharpest tool might be, but what book I always joke I want to write about is all the times I was wrong. Mm. Because we're wrong. All of us are wrong all the time. We can yeah. have opinions all the time. Uh, and I'm wrong all the time. And we don't, we don't, people don't tend to look at themselves that way and recognize that. Yeah. God, that just reminded me of a book I want to read. <laughs> There's a book that has a beautiful title. It's called The Road Less Stupid. The Road, I'm and, that down. The Road Less Stupid. It, and I just remember putting it in my in my cart thinking like, this is a great concept. But I think if I remember correctly, I think it's a similar idea of like, let me actually just think back and recount all the mistakes right? and see if I can't save that, you. Yeah, not to do it, not to do it in a negative, because you can do that in a negative way, and that's that's no yeah. good for anybody. But if you do it in a fun way, it, it, to, like you just said, to, to help keep you from making those same mistakes, uh, yes. it, it could actually be quite entertaining. Yes, absolutely. Well, it's, it makes me think of two things. There's, a, there's another book called The Genius Zone okay. by Gay Hendricks. And he, he kind of got popular in the business industry with his first book, The Big Leap, which first talks about the genius zone. And then he did a follow-up, right? But what I found helpful in my coaching is I just did this yesterday with four executives. Um, he has four different zones of competency. And so he's like, there's gonna be something you're doing that's in your incompetent zone. And that is something that most everybody does better than you. You consistently suck at it and you might as well get rid of that as fast as possible. Then you've got the competency zone, which is like, I'm on par with most people around me, but I don't necessarily love it. And other people could do it just as good as me. He's like, that's another thing you'd be wise to is whenever it makes sense. Can you get that off your plate? Then he has the excellent zone, which is I consistently am better than most people around me at this. And it's a real strength and probably what I first got paid to do, you know? And he's like, that's a great place to be, but it's also a trap if you're not careful that actually, because you're well paid for it, you're acknowledged for it that keeps you from your genius zone, which is the highest uh, ROI on your time to its value. It's the thing that you both love to do. And you're if you're honest, like for every one hour I do this, I get 10 X the results than I do in any right. other category. And his push is like, can you make the leap? That's why it's called the big leap. Can you make the big leap to move into your to your genius zone and figure out how to, De- delegate or whatever with the rest, you know? Yeah. Um, and it sounds like that's a thing you've done instinctively of like, Hey man, I know I'm not good at this. Yeah. As soon as I can, I'll do it until I, can, I have to, I'm going to get rid of this. I mean, I was telling him yesterday, that's my yard right now. You know, I've been in startup mode the last five years. And so I was like, I'm not paying for that. I'm going to cut my grass. I'm barely keeping it alive. Right. I got, I, I got roots growing places that are eating up my grass and I got stuff happening. I'm like, dude, this summer, I'm paying somebody. We're at the place now that I want somebody to take care of these shrubs because those died up this window and all that kind of stuff, right? But it's about time. Gotta, it's about time. Your your ROI on your time just isn't there. Yes, 
Yes. So do you resonate that? Do you see that in your life, those different kind of competency zones? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And mine is decisiveness. I can, I can be pretty decisive. Uh, I actually had, uh, when we got into franchising, we used a gentleman that really helped. We actually used the company, but within that was a gentleman that really helped us. That was something he pointed out that really resonated with me and was very helpful is he, he could see that, that I was very decisive and sometimes too decisive, but, uh, not usually that's, that's a, that is a superpower. Yeah. For sure. That's my, that's my kryptonite. I'm indecisive. Yeah. (laughs) You know, I'm fantastic with content and communication and coaching and that kind of stuff. But like, I mean, this year, my wife said one request, we be more decisive this year. (laughs) Like I hear (laughs) you. One of my best friends, he works, he works with me. Uh, He's my vice president of business administration. He handles all of our insurance, all of the details, anything that is fine details. So whether it's the, the government and regulation and insurances, or like or compliance and HR and that sort of thing. But he's like that. And, and I always mess with him. You know, we go, we'll go to lunch and I'll always give him a hard time. Like, all right, I'm going to, I'm going to go to the restroom. You, you figure out what you're going to have. Yeah. He's like, <laughs> I don't know. Maybe it's this, maybe it's that. What am I in the mood for? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I love it, man. Uh, well, final question. Franchise is a unique business. Sometimes it can be a, a nightmare and other times it's the key to, uh, truly scaling your dream. And yeah. it sounds like you guys have started to do this well. What's the biggest thing you've learned about doing franchising well? Um, well, we're still learning, I'll first off say, when it comes to the franchising. I mean, we're five years in, um, but a lot, our, our early years were very unique in that we had people we had already known and worked with for a long time and or employees, our former employees that were now franchisees. So we almost had it too good. Uh, and, and now we're just getting into this stage where we've got a dozen or more franchisees, a hundred territories. So they're big. They all got a lot of territories on average. We're just getting into the season of our franchise business where we've really got to be people oriented. We've really got to, uh, we're, we're, we're challenged every day by our franchisees, which this is the beauty in franchising. I love it, but I also, it's also can be challenging. You're held accountable by your franchisees. They're key stakeholders. They have a huge stake in your business. You're you're accountable to them. They're accountable to you. Um, and so there there is that natural friction in that. And that's mm-hmm. that's where franchising, I think, where you alluded to, it can be a, it can be a, a, a challenging too. It can be really tough. Yeah, you're still navigating that, but so far, it is huge for scale, for achieving the goals and our dreams of doing what we want to do. It's huge. Mm. Uh, and it also speaks to what I've always believed 20 years, even 20 years ago, and that is in the power of entrepreneurship. It, 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 inst- uh, it incubates that spirit of entrepreneurship through your business basically forever, mm. if you think about it, because you've got yeah. entrepreneurs, you've got, you don't have just one you know, leader. You've got hopefully dozens and hundreds, depending on your, your franchise model. Yeah, I've heard a phrase that was entrepreneur. It's when you're innovating inside the existing thing, right? So it's like you're the entrepreneur that created the opportunity, but then you've hired and empowered entrepreneurs to keep innovating and creating new service offerings or or excellence, you know, where something could grow. So, man, is this a good time if someone's listening, right? If someone's listening and they're thinking, I thought we only did, you know, we only started tech companies now. We only start software companies now. Is this a good time to do service and and blue collar industries? You can start all. Yeah, there always will be. I mean, if you've ever flown, if you've ever flown on a plane and flown window seat, fly into any suburb of America, there's dozens, if not hundreds of them. 
those properties need maintained. Mm. Those pro you, 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 you're, I wasn't, uh, I was never fortunate enough to just start buying real estate so it can sit and appreciate, but I was able to start mowing yards and build that asset and on, on those pieces of real estate. So you got suburbs all over this country that need plumbing. Average plumber is 60 years old. Wow. Average plumber is 60 years old. Nobody, nobody speaks about that. So, so imagine you fly into it. I use the flight because I love, I, I fly in, I fly quite frequently. And I think about this, you've got all these suburbs, hundreds over the, across the United States, average plumbers, 60 years old. There is, and I'm using that as an example, electricians are the same way, HVAC technicians to a lesser extent of home services is economic, it is an economic opportunity that is just this silent giant. Wow. Makes total sense. Well, and I love the simplicity of it. Like it's something that you can get good at that. You can just ma master some basics of like client relationship, yep. marketing, and the service you're providing without having to invent some new app or the new Uber or something. Right. Yes. So exactly. Good. And I hated it for the longest time. <laughs> I hated it for the, I didn't see it for the longest time, even myself. Really? Um, I thought there, Oh no, I thought that's why I thought there was something much better for me. I'm not just going to, I'm not just going to be a lowly lawnmower business owner and I'm, I'm, I'm patronizing myself. Yeah. Uh, I, I just didn't see it, but there's absolute opportunity in any and all of the different home services. Love it. EJ, man. Than, thank you so much for that. being here. I was going to say better than it's got, it's better than any retail type stuff because of the risk, but yes, yeah. 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 Well, that's what I was asking. We assume we need, it needs to be a software. It needs to be a tech. It needs to be on stores, you know, shelves on stores. I'm like, that's not the only business in town. You know, I'm looking, my neighbor is one of the richest people in our, in our town and he owns a lawn care service. Exactly. <laughs> There's something to that. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Awesome, bro. Hey, well, thank you so much for making time to be here and sharing your story with us. It is truly remarkable what you're building and what you're scaling. And man, I just, I can't thank you enough for it. And Drew, thank you. It's a pleasure. Appreciate you having me on. Yes, sir. Founders, thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed it. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast and hop into our monthly founder email so we can ensure you stay on the edge of peak performance and massive business results.